0: My name is Nathan, I'm the high school and college age director here at Evergreen. Um, If it's your first Sunday today, welcome, we're so excited that you're here. Who's enjoying the sunshine a little bit? Yeah! Yeah. Who's not enjoying it? Some people. Uh Uh-oh, we'll pray for you. Um, Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I am a, I'm I'm born and raised Pacific Northwest, but I love me some sunshine, I love the heat. Um, If you've been here the last couple weeks... We've been in this series called Running From Purpose. Who's enjoyed it so far? Who's been here? You enjoyed it? We've been in the book of Jonah. How many of you guys have heard of Jonah before? Maybe in a children's church at some time, eaten by a whale um, or whatever, whatever you've heard about Jonah. Um, And I'm excited today to unpack a little bit. As I was preparing this message, I noticed some similarities between One of our denominations, we're a part of the Foursquare Network, the Foursquare Denomination here at Evergreen. Basically, we're a movement of churches, 10,000 churches around the globe that are a part of our family. We hang out, and one of our most core scriptures is Hebrews 13.8, and as I was studying, I noticed some similarities between Hebrews 13.8 and Jonah. Has anybody... uh, I'll just read Hebrews 13.8. It's Okay. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And a lot of times, if you go to another four-square church, you'll look up in the auditorium and you'll see it somewhere. But what this means is, is if he was our Savior yesterday, he's our Savior today, and he'll be our Savior forever. Or if he was our healer yesterday, he's our healer today, and he'll be our healer forever. Or if he was the Prince of Peace Yesterday, he's the prince of peace today, and he's our prince of peace forever. I'm currently enrolled in Bible college. I go to Portland Bible College in P-Town. I don't even know the the mascot. I was going to say go whatever, but I don't know the mascot. (laughs) Woo, go Portland Bible College. I'm online, so I don't don't know anybody, but it's cool. (laughs) One of the first things that they teach you in Bible college... Is about God's character. I took, took a class called Church Doctrine, and the first one they talk about is how God's character stays the same throughout all of time. And when you look at the story of Jonah, you see a man running from his purpose, but you also see a man who doesn't quite grasp that Jonah or that God's character stays the same. And so today, I'm excited to unpack a little bit about how we see God's mercy in the life of Jonah and Nineveh, but also how that it means that we have mercy today. You guys pray with me. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for this opportunity to gather. Uh, I pray for all of our fingers as we light up fireworks this week. Pray that you would make all of us keep our fingers. Pray for the one person in the United States that might lose one. Pray that you just give them a peace. Um, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that um, if I don't bring it, your Holy Spirit brings it through me, and that one person will be impacted. God, we also want to thank you for Damian Lillard and his impact on the city of Portland. We send him out with blessings because he needs it, and pray for Portland, the Portland Trailblazers. We ask those in your name. Amen. That was a lot, guys. Sorry. Um, I was a little heartbroken, but I knew it was coming. Anybody else know it was coming, that Dame was going to leave? Yeah, all the basketball fans. Um, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, I want to give you some context on the story of Jonah. Biblical scholars and theologians actually call the book of Jonah satire. Anybody know what satire is? Comical. It's funny. It's ironic. Why? Because the men, the pagan men on the boat who weren't supposed to repent, did repent, right? That's Jonah chapter one. And then the pagan city that wasn't supposed to repent, that God sent Jonah to, repented, that's Jonah chapter three. But the man of God who was sent on mission to a city ran from his purpose. Doesn't that seem a little ironic to you? And sometimes God moves in ways that don't make sense. And that's where we pick it up today in Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, "Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? He's mad at God for being who he says he is, for doing what he does. That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love relenting from disaster therefore now o oh lord please take my life from me it is better for me to die than to live that sounds pretty dramatic doesn't it it sounds pretty harsh this is all over about this is all about how god changed his mind What displeased Jonah, we find in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Jonah was angry at God for displaying mercy. He was angry to the point where he felt like his life wasn't worth living. And what's crazy is to become a prophet, you had to go to school. You had to know the scriptures. You had to understand the character of God. And so Jonas heard the stories about how God displayed mercy on Israel and brought them out of slavery in Egypt. Or how God displayed mercy on Joseph, the guy with the robe who had the dreams and his brother sold him into slavery. And then he became a ruler in Egypt. Or how God displayed mercy to David, the man who committed one of the most heinous sins in the Bible, killing his concubine's husband. How he displayed mercy. But what's crazier to me is God had displayed mercy to Jonah, but but Jonah wasn't willing to let God display mercy on Nineveh. See, Jonah knew God's character because he had experienced God's character in the past. He had experienced the mercy of God. What is mercy? A free gift given to us without payment. Like you show up to court and you committed a crime and the judge says, no, you can go. You're good. You're free. You're clear. Scot free. You can go. That's what mercy is. A gift, something that we don't deserve. And we see that Jonah experienced this same mercy yesterday. In Jonah 2 4 through 6, it says this Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life, the deep surrounded me, weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought me up from the pit. And this is what God does. Regardless of the pit that you're in, regardless of the valley you're in, he brings us up out of it. He can display mercy to you and meet you where you are. In Psalms, it talks about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why? because you my god are with me he's there with you in the pit and he is who he says that he is his character is mercy so there's mercy for you in the pit there's mercy for you in the valley what we find is the same mercy that god displayed to jonah yesterday right hebrews 13:8 same yesterday today and forever the same mercy he displayed yesterday by sending a fish God displayed mercy by using a fish to swallow Jonah That's pretty crazy. What do you think the lengths that he will go for you? What will he do for you? The same mercy he displayed yesterday, he's willing to display to Jonah today as Jonah is saying, take my life. In Jonah chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade, be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. In the midst of Jonah's anger at God, God displays mercy to Jonah. He appointed a plant to ease his discomfort. And Jonah is waiting. He's waiting for God to blow up this prophetic bomb that he planted. But God had already diffused it. He had already said, I'm going to display mercy on this city. God reminds Jonah of his character that isn't changing despite Jonah's anger towards him. This is what God does. Regardless of the way you feel towards Him, you could be mad, you could be sad, you could be hurt, you could be angry. The things that make you go, Why, God? Why? God still displays His mercy in that because His character is the same. Take my story, for example. When I was 17 years old, Uh, If you don't know my story a little bit, my dad was a youth pastor. He was my youth pastor, youth pastor for 25 years. He's a senior pastor now in a church in my hometown. Um, uh, When I was 17, I was helping serve at a middle school camp. It was just for middle schoolers. It was like their fall retreat. And it was Sunday morning. And how camp usually works is like Friday's an introduction. Saturday night's the one where everyone cries. (laughs) And then Friday morning is like the wrap-up. Sunday morning, my bad. Sunday morning is like the wrap-up, right? And my uncle, who's also a pastor, was the one preaching at it. And he did an altar call. But it wasn't an altar call for healing or salvation or any of the usual ones. He said, if you feel called into ministry, come forward. And I don't know what happened next because I pretty much woke up down at the altar. Literally, <laughs> I, like, I was like, whoa. And all I see is a bunch of seventh grade boys and then one of my best friends, Andrew. And I was mad. I was like, God, this isn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be a pastor, I didn't want to do what my dad did. God, why are you doing this to me? And so I did what any rational person would do I went on a walk. And it was a beautiful fall day in October, and I'm walking. And it was like, you know those things, scenes in the movie where like God shows up in like the, the clouds part and the sun comes down? It kind of felt like that. Where well, I was walking and I was like stomping, God, I don't want to do this. God, I, I, I have my own plan. I have my own path. I'm months away from shipping out. I'm going to go do what I want to do. And you're in here interrupting me, interrupting my plans. And God was like, this is what I have for you. So I said, okay, if you said it, I'll do it. Then a few days went by, and I was like, man, I could do my own thing. I could do this later. I'm, I'm young. I'm 17. I got my whole life ahead of me. I could do this later. And so that was when I changed my plan again, right? A few months later, I was at the high school winter retreat, and this time it was Saturday night, so everyone was crying, including me. <laughs> and while I was there, my uncle was preaching again. My dad and my uncle did a lot of things together. My uncle's a really powerful preacher, so is my dad, but they did a lot of things together because why not? And my uncle's preaching again, and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what that means is, in ministry, if you look throughout the whole New Testament, the apostles, the disciples, the members, the followers of the way, before they were sent, were baptized in the Holy Spirit because it gave them courage and boldness to preach the gospel, and so that's what that moment was. It was like a sealing of the call on my life saying, I'm giving you courage and boldness to preach this gospel, to preach about me, to go forward and make disciples of all nations. And again, I was mad. I was like, why? Why are you doing this? Because I knew it. I've been around church my whole life. I've seen all this. I understood what it meant. And I was angry. And so I did the same thing again. I went for a walk, and this time it was January in the Pacific Northwest, the most miserable month, <laughs> and it's pouring down rain, and I'm cold, and I'm like, okay, God, I guess I'll do it. I see what you're doing. Yet a few days later, what did I do? I was like, my plan seems kind of nice. My plan seems better. I graduate high school. I start working construction. That's my background is construction. I've worked construction since I was 16, and I, I worked for this new company, and people aren't making good decisions. I was with people I didn't want to, like, never should have been around, and making decisions I should have never have hurting me, my body, my, my people, the people around me, my family. And then I found myself at rock bottom, literally the lowest place that I have ever been in my life. And what did God do? Despite the ang- my anger towards him, despite straying from the path that he had placed me on, What did he do? He showed me mercy in the pit. He showed me mercy in my valley. He said, Nathan, the same mercy I had in those experiences is the same mercy I have for you right now. Right now in the place that you're in. What God is teaching Jonah in this moment was I demonstrated mercy on you in the past. And I'm going to do it again because I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. My character doesn't change. In Jonah 4, 9 through 11, it says this. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? I skipped a few verses. But basically what happens is God appoints a worm to eat the plant to take away the shade from Jonah. And Jonah, being his dramatic self, says, I want to die. You guys ever have like kids like that where it's everything's the end of the world maybe? I've been around a few kids like that. They just stomp around. It says, but God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Drama queen. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow. Which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Jonah believes so firmly that if anyone, the city of Nineveh, or anything, a worm, wrongs him, That thing is not deserving of mercy. That thing is not deserving of grace. But what God is showing Jonah in these verses is only the creator of the tree and of the people has the right to be angry at the created. Justice is in his hands. And I think this is a valuable lesson for us because there's points where we do something wrong where we cut someone off in traffic and we're like, nah, we're good. But if somebody does it to you, what do you say? Some four-letter word. Man, I don't know. I hope you've never gotten out of a car and chased somebody. We'll pray for you if you have. But we believe that we deserve mercy, but when people have hurt us, wronged us, treated us poorly, taken advantage of us, We don't think that they are worthy of the same grace that God placed on our lives. And you might say, Nathan, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't know who's hurt me, what's happened, what I've gone through. But here's what I have experienced. When I took the weight of justice upon my shoulders, it caused me separation from my brother It hurt our relationship. I lost friends. I took on stress because what is weight? Weight is stress. When you put put stress on something, like a balloon, what happens? It pops. And I looked this up, so you can fact check me, but I looked this up. And when you live in a constant state of stress, it affects literally every system in your body. Your musculoskeletal system, respiratory system, cardiovascular, endocrine, gastrointestinal, your gut health, nervous system, male reproductive system, female reproductive system. I think the reason that Jonah wanted to take his own life was because of the stress that he was experiencing taking the weight of justice upon his shoulders. Recently, I was at youth, and I had a student come up to me after service and say, man, I got really hurt by this person. I, I was hurt like a year ago, and I just can't seem to not think about it. I just can't seem to not hold a grudge. I can't seem to not hate them. And he explained the situation, and he was right. Like, he, he deserved to be angry. He got hurt really bad. But he's like, Nathan, how do I stop thinking about it? How do I stop this? Do I punch a punching bag? Do I, do I go for a run? What do I do? And I asked him the question. I said, have you forgiven them? And I want to stop here and say this. If somebody has wronged you, that's their fault. Right? I'm not trying to excuse the fact that you've been hurt. I'm not trying to excuse the fact that pain has happened. What they did is not Okay. When I asked him this question, I said, "Have you forgiven him?" I said that person that hurt you may never apologize. They may never say the words, "I am sorry," or, "Will you forgive me?" In Ephesians 4:32 it says this, "Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you." If we have been forgiven, which we have, we are equipped to forgive. If mercy has been given to us, we get to reciprocate that mercy to other people. Yeah. And you know, what I, you know what happened to me when I took the weight of justice off my shoulders? My brother and I's relationship is good. He did a great speech at my wedding. I was worried about it. I began to have real relationship that wasn't surface level with friends. And the stress that I was experiencing fell off my shoulders. And Matthew, Jesus says this, for if you take my yoke, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When the, when the yoke of Jesus has been placed on us, replacing the yoke of the world, replacing the yoke of stress, the burden is easy. It's easier to walk through life. And if I could have the worship team come on up. The same God that displayed mercy for Jonah, then for Nineveh, is the same God who displayed mercy for you and I. Because if he did it then, and he did it now, he did it for us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Matthew 12, 38 through 41, it says this. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with the generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And I missed a part. So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Something greater than Jonah is here. The something greater is Jesus. See, what Jonah did was awesome. He was the mouthpiece for God. He preached to a city of 120,000 people. The city repented and turned towards him. He he didn't even really preach to a boat, but they turned towards God. But what Jonah did only impacted 120,000 people. What Jesus did when he was three days and three nights in the grave, impacted everyone for eternity. And here's a part that they don't say in Jonah. Nineveh, generations later, turned away from God, evil kings came back, and God did what he said. He destroyed the city. So what Jonah did only lasted a generation But what Jesus did lasts a lifetime for eternity. If he did it for Jonah, and he did it for Nineveh, he can do it for you. Wherever you're at, whichever place you're in, whichever valley, whichever pit, he is with you. He is for you. I think that there are three groups of people in here. And as I close, I just wanna speak to those groups individually. The first group of people are the people that were like me. Where they, where where you got called, or like you, you had a relationship with Jesus but you stepped off the path and then you took another step and you took another step and you find yourself somewhere way different. And you think, because this is what I thought, I thought I was too far gone. I thought I could never make my way back to Jesus. I thought I could never make my way back to the path that he had called me. And when I was in rock bottom, that was the path that looked good. I was like, God, I'm ready to stop. I'm ready to be done. And I received mercy in that moment. I receive grace in that moment. There's grace for you waiting. If you surrender your desire, your will, what you want, your plan, Jesus will meet you there if you if you sit here with open hands. Say, God, I'm so low right now. I'm so gone. Come and meet me here. Come and have your way. That's the first group. The second group are those of you in here who are walking around with a weight on your shoulder from the things that people have done to you in the past. And it's adding stress. And it's all you can think about. And it's all you can do. And it's all you dwell on. And you're, and you're just like my student, say, "Nate, how do I stop doing this? How do I give up? I, like I don't want to think about this. These people really hurt me. And that stress is weighing me down, and it's destroying me and it's gonna break me.' Well, ask the same question. Have you forgiven them? You didn't even have to tell them. Have you forgiven them? Have you truly said, Jesus, you've forgiven me, so I'm gonna forgive them. What they did is not okay. What they did hurt me. Maybe it's a wound from your parents. Maybe it's a wound from your past. Wound from a spouse, friends, job, whatever it is don't carry around the weight of what somebody else did for my yoke is easy and my burden is light Jesus is waiting to take it off of you to take the stress away and then the last thing that I want to talk about is for those of you in here who maybe haven't said yes to Jesus yet Maybe just got here and somebody, your best friend told you to come or your mom or your grandma or whatever it is told you to come and now you're here You showed up at your house. But I just sense that there are some people in here who have been hurt really bad, but also some people who are hurting really bad, who are, who are hurting and longing for some peace, longing for hope. I can't put my hope in today. I can't put my faith in what I see. I can't walk by sight. I'm gonna, I need to walk by faith. And so here's what we're gonna do in this next moment. In, in a minute, I'm gonna ask you guys all to just close your head and bow your eyes, but here's, here's what I didn't wanna do to symbolize each of the three groups, right? So if you're here and you need to surrender your path surrender your desires, I just want you to hold your hands out like this. This is a symbol of surrender. Your hands aren't open. Your hands aren't closed. They're open, saying, Jesus, you can come and take everything from me. I'm here. I'm waiting for you. I want to come back to you. I'm lost. I'm gone. I need you to be with me in the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to do Just hold your hands out. But if you're, and if you're here, and you've been hurt, and you've been carrying around the weight of that hurt, I want you to just clench your fists as hard as you can and feel it. Feel that. And when you feel ready, let it go. Let it go. Open up your hands. Open up your hands. And then the third group, if there are those of you in here who haven't said yes to Jesus, all I want you to do is to just look up at me so I can agree with you so I can say hi to you, so that we can welcome you as a family and join in with heaven in celebration for you. When you say yes to Jesus, here's what happens. You get peace, you get hope, hope that endures, that isn't lost, hope that endures through suffering, through pain, a peace that surpasses all understanding, that's so what we're gonna do everybody just close your eyes. And I want you to identify the group that you're in. I want you to just begin, begin the motion. And if you wanna say yes to Jesus, just look up at me so I can agree, so I can agree. And if, if you got hurts, you got pain, let it go when you feel ready. Let it go when you feel ready. If you wanna surrender your path, I believe Jesus is gonna meet you on the path that you're on. Holy Spirit, would you come and have your way? Would you relieve our hearts and minds? Would you show us the right path? Would you would you show us? Would you allow us to forgive? Would you touch our hearts? And if you haven't, I see you, I see you, and I see you. And if you haven't let go yet, let it go. Let it go. Jesus, thank you for being the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, allow us to walk in the promise. Allow us to walk by faith and that you're gonna be the same person tomorrow that you are today, that you were then. And so when trials come and troubles come and suffering comes, we know we have you. We know that you don't change. In a world that is changing, we have a constant. We have a light, a lighthouse that is battered by waves yet doesn't move. So when the storms come, and the winds blow, and the rains fall, and the floods are here. Let us be known as a people whose house is built upon the rock. Jesus, you're worthy of our praise, you're worthy of our song. We thank you for all that you are doing. Holy Spirit, we take this moment and we seal. I ask this in your name.